you have your bulletin, there's an outline in it, and you're going to need those because there's going to be a number of scriptures that I'm going to be giving you today that I'm going to ask that you jot down and reference because I just want to take a few minutes today. But the message that I started last week in the theme that we have been in, the series I've been doing is on being conformed to His image. It's been a theme that has been something we've dealt with all year long on growing in the Lord. What does it look like? How do we measure it? What do we sense within our own lives as we're growing into the, in the things of the Lord? And as text last week, we looked at Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13. And then in Psalm 19, but the Scripture says in Philippians... Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. As I was praying this morning about this message I begin to think about the terminology that Paul used as he was writing to the Philippians here about working out our salvation with fear and trembling versus the attitude that is prevalent today, especially in the American church, that because we live in the grace of God, we are free to act and behave in any way that we want. That I can do these things... Because I'm living in the freedom and grace of God, and, and, and we allow our freedoms to overtake the reverence of God from time to time in the behaviors that we allow ourselves to partake in. And I couldn't get away from the fact that Paul is telling a people, and it fits in perfectly with the word that we heard through the manifestation of the Spirit today, that don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. That there is an aspect of our walk with God that requires of us personal discipline. And under the title of the message of Disciplined Spirituality, we began last week to, to look at the Word of God, understanding that what He says to us in the Word is what gives us strength to continue on. And I'm going to ask that you would turn, if you would, to Psalm chapter 19. Last week we read this, or we had it read for us, based on the Version Bible. And I've had so many people call and ask if they could, how do I unload this on my mobile device? How do I find this? Have any of you uploaded that onto your device this week in the Version Bible? Have, have any of you used it to listen to for your devotions this week? A number of you have. That's great. As I told you, Cindy and I have started doing a new kind of devotion together where we listen to the Word together and discuss it. And, and it's added a new, a, new, uh, a new element to our devotions. I think that that's good because sometimes disciplines can get boring and we need things to spice those up. And so it becomes another tool in your toolbox as you follow the Lord. But we, we focused in on the first nine verses of that, and rather than rereading that, it's already a part of, 
of the outline in your message, I would like to start today with verse 10. And I would like you to know that the Bible speaks to us about what the desire for the Word of God should look like in our life. In verse 10 of Psalm chapter 19, it says this. After this whole list that we had last week about what the Word of God is, it says this. They are more precious than gold, yea, than much pure gold, and are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. Now, as I looked at that, I recognized that today, gold, pure gold, that would be valuable to us. When it comes to tasting things that are sweeter than the honeycomb, I have not had a lot of honeycomb in my life. Some of you that raise bees know what that's like. It, to me, always tasted a little waxy, but to the time period in which this was written, it was a vernacular that they could understand. But what the writer is trying to tell us in our walk with God is that the desire for the Word of God would be more valuable to us than wealth or the things we eat, than money or food. And so I was thinking, Lord, in my case, how would I rewrite this verse? so that it would mean something to me. And maybe each of you can do this in your own way. But for me, this verse, in the atmosphere in which the writer would present it, would say something like this. Reading the Bible is of greater value than a million dollars and sweeter than the finest Snickers bar. That's something I can identify with. Because it reaches me in the reality of my life. And so here the writer begins to tell us that something that we read, a book, and by the way, your Bible is unlike any other book that you have in your house. There are things that the Bible will reveal to you and about you that will bring you to greater thought and upon your knees faster than anything else that you have. And I'm not telling you that you shouldn't read other books because other books are great. But there's something about the Word of God that brings greater value to our souls than any money could bring to your body and any snack or chocolate or food could ever bring to your physical body. This is the desire that those of us that are growing in the Lord should have for His Word. The Bible is God's Word, and if we are in love with God, then His Word is precious to us. It's more precious than anything else. And I mentioned last week when we were at the altar about the time when written word from individuals that we love became precious to me when, when Cindy was in Guam on a missions trip and I was home during the summer of our, of, between our junior and senior year in college and every word she wrote to me in those letters was precious to me. And I have literally had to pray and ask God, and maybe you're in this place too, where you literally pray and say, Lord, I need you to help me make your word that valuable to me. I need you to help me in my life of being in love with you so much that your word becomes something that I can't do without. I remember when I was younger, I would kind of make fun of my dad and mom and their discipline of devotions because I knew that it was always going to be at a time when it was going to ruin something I wanted to do that was fun. And he got it from his dad, my grandfather, Demet. It didn't matter who came over to dinner. After dinner was devotion times. He had a stack of Bible in the corner, stack of Bibles in the corner of his room, and we'd all sit in his living room, visitors, family, and he handed one out. 
And everybody read a verse through the chapter. And then we prayed. And, and we weren't done praying till he was done praying. And I remember thinking as a kid, oh no. Grandpa can really pray. And he doesn't miss anybody on the list when he prays. You know, the older I've gotten, the more I begin to value not only the Word of God, but the disciplines that have been demonstrated to me in my life. And for those of you that are first-generation Christians, God delivered you from whatever your past may be, and you and your family are the first ones to declare that Jesus is Savior. You need to start these disciplines. Because I and my wife are the living beneficiaries of a lifestyle of godliness that has been lived before us for generations. And it helped us walk in the ways of the Lord as we would learn these things. And I want you to know His Word becomes precious to you. More precious than a million dollars and more tasting than a Snickers bar that's slightly cooled with a glass of milk. That's how we as God's children should love His Word. It's desirable, but it's also discerning. And the next point that's brought up is the discernment of the Word of God in verses 11 through 13. It says, By them, or the words of God it's speaking of, your servant is warned in keeping them, and there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins, that they may not rule over me. If I were to go through here and ask each of us to give a list of things that we are tempted by, our lists would in many ways be completely different because we are all different people. There are things that I may struggle with that I have to constantly take before the Lord that you don't have an issue with at all. But there may be things that you're dealing with that I would look at and say, how can you struggle with this? It makes no sense because my makeup is different than yours. And so when it comes to the Word of God, it's, it's broadly applicable that it brings us to a place where we can be holy like Him. The Bible warns us. I loved what Pastor Tim said, that there was something within him, some movement caught his eye. I would imagine spiritually the Lord said, lift up your head for a moment, look what's ahead of you. There was a warning that came to him. I love that I serve a God that knows what's going on before I get there. And as a result of that, having spent time in the Word and praying and seeking His face, there's warnings to our spirits about things that we should not do and places we should not go and places that may be fine, but the war- You're just there's a warning. Have any of you ever experienced a check in your spirit that you did not understand and you did not know how to describe it? You just knew that there was this uncomfortableness as the Spirit is warning you. Because we live in the last days of time and we see wickedness exploding all over the world, I want you to know I want God's warning system to be alive and well within my soul. I need it now more than ever. You need it now more than ever that we would heed what the Spirit says when He's whispering in our, in our soul. I'm warning you. I'm warning you. There's danger there. The Bible tells us it warns us against sins which we commit inadvertently and the sins which we commit willfully and rewards us by reading the Word because it helps us avoid falling into sin. 
One of the discernible aspects of growth in the Lord is that each of us should be able to look back on our spiritual journey and recognize that there were things that we may have struggled with early in our journey that we should not struggle with as we grow in the Lord. I was walking by our nursery this week. I believe it was Wednesday night. Looked through the window and noticed that there were little babies in there taking toys and throwing them at each other. And those that were in there helping, I mean, it's so fast, they run over and say, oh, no, 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 no. You know what? Babies can get away with that. If you're still throwing things at people at 13, something's wrong. If you're still throwing things at people when you're an adult, something is really wrong. We look at that and say, that kid never grew up. Yet spiritually, we dismiss ourselves so many different times and justify ourselves when there should be discernible, recognizable growth in your spiritual life from the time that you came to Christ to where you are today. And next year at this time, you should be farther along in the Lord than you are now. And I've heard so many different pastors say it. If you can look back at a time in your life where you were closer to the Lord than you are now, then you need to turn around and run back to Him. Because the natural progression should be that we leave the milk of the Word and run to the meat of the Word. And that we begin to grow in the things that the Lord can use us in deeper things in Him. And the Word of God helps us in that discernment. In verse 12 it speaks of hidden faults. I love this term. Because the hidden fault is only hidden to you, but everybody else knows it. In an office that I serve in as an executive presbyter of the New York district, there are times when, when there are other ministers that are called before us to give an account for behavior that they've had. And I've heard our superintendent use this term very wisely on a number of occasions when he looks at people and says, you know what, you have, you have, a, you have a blind spot in this part of your life. You have a blind spot. In other words... There are things in our life that we just don't see or that we allow as hidden faults. And we excuse them with that things like, well, that's just the way I am. Or if you're going to get to know me, then you're just going to have to get used to that because that's just the way I am. Or, well, that comes from my background. My mom and dad were just like that. So, you know, that, and we begin to allow ourselves behavioral traits that are displeasing to the Lord as we grow in Him, and we just dismiss them because to us they're just hidden faults. To others they become blatant. And while others may not be able to call you out on those, the Word of God will. And in a way that you can't run from it, you can't shut your ears off from it, you can't turn your soul off from it, and the Lord will keep bringing it to you, and then He will say, but I will give you the power. I will enable change within you, because you paying attention to your hidden faults, with the help of my Holy Spirit, brings about a change that makes you more godly. And so whether we admit it or not, we all have spiritual blind spots or places where we inadvertently make ourselves vulnerable and we justify it. And as we delve into God's Word and allow it to dwell richly in us, God begins through His Word to show us those things which are in our life which we would not see any other place, our hidden faults. Not only does the Word warn us, but it also reveals us. 
In verse 13, it tells us that God's Word reveals us or it keeps us back from presumptuous sins or sins that we will willfully commit and presume that we can get away with because we have judged them to be insignificant. Think about that. There are things that we do in our life with freedom that because we judge them to be insignificant, we allow ourselves to do, that the Word of God will say, that's not as insignificant as you think it is. The Lord declares to us, and I I do not want to sound legalistic, but I do want to sound the warning as a watchman on the wall. He declares that His people should be holy as He is holy. That there should be something observable about our life that those without Christ would find attractive because Christ is attractive. And it's only when we regularly and intentionally read God's Word that we can hope to gain victory in these areas. One of the things we often forget is that God gave His Word not primarily to fill our hearts or to fill our heads, but to fill our hearts. His Word is designed to make us holy, not merely smart. In fact, there's a verse that I found that I would like to spend just a few minutes on this morning in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, and I'm going to ask that you would turn to that. Hebrews 4.12, and this is one of those that's valuable enough in your Bible that you need to underline it. Because it begins to describe the value of the Word of God in a sense that we can understand when it says, The Word of God is living and active or powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Let me focus on this for a moment. First of all, the, the Bible that some people consider boring, God says it's living and powerful. Living and powerful. It's not a dead letter. In fact, for those of you jotting down notes, jot down this reference. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 23 through 25. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. Because this is what it says in those. It says, His Word lives and abides forever. It says, His Word endures forever. In Matthew 24, 35, it says, My words shall not pass away. In other words, my word has never been dead. It's not dead today and tomorrow it will not be dead then either. It will not pass away. There's never a moment that the word of God is not valuable and alive and pulsating with life for your soul. It's living. It's powerful. It has the ability to change you as you apply it and nourish yourself with it. The reason that the Bible has life is because God is alive. The life of God's Word is due to the nature of God Himself. Because God is eternal. The Bible describes Him as the living God. When we celebrate Easter, we do it not because of the bunnies and the eggs. We do it because there's an empty tomb and Jesus rose from the dead, overcame death in the grave. We have resurrection life in us today. And because He's alive, we are alive. Because He's a living God, His Word is alive. 
He cannot lie, so what He says will come to pass. His Word will never perish. And Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. If you are feeling dead and drained and weak today, then dive into His Word because it's life to you. It's life to you. God's Word is alive and it's the proof of its living wordness or its aliveness its vitality can be seen in you when you live in power. God's Word has the power to accomplish its intended purpose according to Isaiah 55. The Gospel has the power to save you according to Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, and James 1, 21. Through God's Word, you can be born again. You may have come into this place today and you've tried to live a holy life without knowing Jesus as your Savior and you've done good things, but today the Word is addressing you and you begin to recognize there's something that I am missing. It's because Jesus isn't there yet. But when He comes into your life, He transforms you because he's alive and well and has come to bring you to new life as well the bible works effectively in those who believe according to first thessalonians chapter 2 and hebrews chapter 4 it can build us up and give us an inheritance that is ours and nobody can take away for eternity from you according to acts chapter 20 verse 32 and then there's this one in second timothy 3 verse 16 It can make the man or woman of God complete for all good works. Some of you may be like me. I'm great at starting projects. You know where I'm going with this. Haven't been so good at finishing them projects. In fact... I learned a secret from a buddy of mine in college years ago that when we would buy a new book, we'd write the date that we would start reading it. And I have a lot of books with only one date in them. But this book is about completing things. This Bible, this Word of God, says that when you apply it in your life, it will bring about a completing work. And as I look at that, this word completed is, is, is both a past tense and a present tense, meaning that at the end of every day, the Lord says, I've completed what I wanted to do in you, but my completion is not done yet. I have steps for you to take, and at the end of every day, if you will follow me and be obedient to me and apply your word in your life, at the end of that day, I will smile, you will feel a sense of satisfaction, but tomorrow's a new day for a new growth. It's like a journey where you make sure that you get to the places that you wanted to get at the end of every day. And he says, my word will bring this about within your life. How could anyone then say that this is a dead letter? How can anyone who spends time in his word when the spirit of God is alive within you look at this and not see the power and the life that it brings to us? With such a living and powerful word at our disposal, we would be foolish to neglect the blessings that it offers and the warnings that it gives. But the power is seen further in the fact that it is sharp and a discerner. It is sharp and a discerner. The Scripture says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. In other words, a sword that's sharp on both ends. You can swing in any different direction and it's going to cut whatever it hits. 
The Word of God is likened to powerful objects throughout the whole Bible. It's likened to a sword in Ephesians chapter 6. It's likened to a fire and to, and to a hammer in Jeremiah chapter 23, 29. And sometimes I need God to apply His Word like a hammer in my life. Sometimes I need the Spirit to come down and say, I need to whack you over the spiritual head with this and remind you of something. And you're sitting there, okay. Sometimes I need the Lord to light a fire under me with the Word. So that I will be diligent. I want you to know I move fast when there's flames around. And sometimes I need the Lord to apply the Word through His Spirit with the delicate touch of a surgeon with a scalpel. As He begins to do a work within my soul, a thing that could become cancerous and affect the whole being if I allow it to remain. Because His Word will whittle and it will cut and it will mold and what is left after the Lord begins to do His work leaves an image of you and your nature that looks far more like Christ than when He started. In fact, it says that the sharpness of this sword can even pierce or even division of the soul and the spirit. In other words, it can affect every aspect of the soul and spirit of man. The spiritual aspect of your life can be affected by its application within your life. And it also says in the joints and the marrow, in other words, there will also be a physical demonstration of the way you live differently when the Word is applied in your spirit and in your physical man. So powerful is the Word of God. And then it says, but that's not where the power of the Word is done because it also is a discerner of our thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Boy, the deeper he gets in this, the worse we look. Because maybe I'm the only one, but I've done the right thing for the wrong reasons. Am I the only one? And you leave places like that and say, boy, I hope they saw me there today. I hope people looked and saw that. And the Lord goes, you just failed the discernment of the thoughts test. Because He knows what's in our heart. You cannot hear or read the Word of God without being affected. Because God Himself will pour His light into you through it. God's Word is a tool to tell us the truth about our feelings, about our thoughts, about our intentions. It enables us to avoid being fooled because when we read it, God opens the eyes of our understanding and He enables us to see the truth about ourselves. It is discerning to us. It teaches us what we don't even know about ourselves. And the Lord begins to put the spotlight of His Spirit on us. And He says, this is what I see in you and this is where I want to bring you. My grace is sufficient for your faults. Let me, let me help you grow. And then in verse 14 of this psalm, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This speaks to the devotion of the child of God. David's desire was to be blameless, to stand before God with purity. And the goal here for us is not sinless perfection because we will not attain that on this side of heaven. But rather to avoid doing that which displeases God because we are in love with Him and He is in love with us. 
I know that some of you grew up in, in, in situations and background that may be similar to mine where there was such a view of God that if I committed one sin, He was just waiting at the edge of having to kick me in the rear and say, that's it, you're out of here. And we've lived in such fear of that. There's a balance to grace and freedom and responsibility and fear and trembling. There's a balance to these things within our life. And the Lord is a loving Father that desires to lead us. He says, I will hold you with my right hand of righteousness, He tells us. That doesn't sound like a father getting ready to kick you out. That sounds like a father ready to drag you along. Just give me your hand and I'll walk with you through this. Because it's my word and I am the living word. And as long as I am next to you, I will give you what you need. And you will respond to me as I lead you and guide you. I will warn you. I will reveal you. I will feed you. I will strengthen you. And here's the heart of David. And he wraps this psalm up like this. And I'm going to ask our worship team to come. He says, I don't want sin to rule over me. I want to avoid that great transgression which will cause my life to be ruined. I want the very words of my mouth and the things that I think about, the meditation of my heart, to be acceptable in your sight, O oh God. Please make me pure. Please make me pure. Lord, when I stand before you, I want to do so having a heart after God, having filled myself with your word, having found the value of the Bible discovering that it's worth more than a million dollars and better than a Snickers bar. That it's sweet to me. It tastes wonderful. It fills my soul. Stand with me, please. That second song that you sang during worship, give me faith. How do, we, how do we handle these things with the Word of God? Number one, read it. Read it. Find a time to read the Bible. Make time. You find times for everything else that's a priority to you. Reflect upon it. Meditate on it. Think about what does God mean to say to me about this. And here's the danger in this. Sometimes I read the Word and I think, boy, I hope Cindy's reading that part. Boy, I, I've been talking with so-and-so this week in my office. I hope that they're reading that. Sometimes the Lord just takes His hand and goes, this isn't about them, it's about you. It's about you and me. Then remember it. Underline it. Maybe you have a mind like mine that I can't memorize or remember things well. But I have discovered that the Holy Spirit will bring back to my mind the things when I need them the most. If I spend time in it, he, it's in there. He brings it back when I need it. Recount it. In other words, tell somebody else what God is speaking to you about. Number one, for the accountability aspect. Number two, because if you talk about it, it will also solidify itself in your heart. And then the fifth part is respond to it. Too many people read the Word of God and then don't do anything with it to live it out. Respond to it. Let's sing that song together.
declared to you in song that we give you our life. With your eyes closed, you bow your heads, no one looking around. There's some eternal decisions that need to be made this morning. If you're here and you have never with your own lips asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and receive the penalty that he paid for you to set you free, give you a brand new life, then that's the most important decision that you'll make in eternity. Because without Him living in you and the Holy Spirit enlightening what His Word says to you, then you will miss the meaning of the Word of God. You'll miss the meaning of the Bible. When you're, but there's something when He comes into your life that turns it on and it becomes alive to you. So if you're here today and you would like to receive Jesus as your Savior, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask that you would just raise your hand and I'm going to simply say, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, I agree with you, and you can put your hand back down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out or make you do something that's going to embarrass you. But I want you to acknowledge today that you find yourself in need of a Savior. And so I'm beginning on your left side of the sanctuary, my right, and I'm going to ask if there's anybody here today that needs Jesus just to raise your hand. 
moving into the left center side. Are there anybody here today that says, today's my day. I need a Savior today. I want to know Him. Moving into the right center. Yes, ma'am, I agree with you. Yes, sir, I agree with you. Moving into the to the far right and into the overflow. Anybody here today that God is speaking to your heart saying today is the day that I want to be real in you? Yes, ma'am, I agree. Heavenly Father, I pray that in this moment that those whom your spirit was knocking on the door of their heart to respond, that have said yes to you, that you would come into their life, that in this moment as they confess to you that they need you, that you would cleanse their unrighteousness, wipe away their sins and all their faults and all the guilt, and breathe new life into them at this very moment. That they could take a deep breath knowing that they have been transferred from those that didn't know Christ into the family of God and belong to your kingdom. At this moment, you are writing their names down in the Lamb's Book of Life. Thank you for this transformation. It's one that we all walk through, and it's why we're here today to see souls in the kingdom. And now with your head bowed and eyes closed, let me talk to the church. Today, if you're having a difficult time balancing the issues of dependence on the Lord and discipline, you found that in your life you've not been as disciplined as you wanted to be. Maybe you begin to think about, I don't know how this discipline relates to my training and in God's Word, and, and you just thought you could do it without ingesting the Word of God. But today I want to pray for you. If you need more discipline in your life today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hands. Lord, I need more discipline. If this is all you get for the week of the Word of God, then you need to have your hand raised. Because unlike some of the historical church backgrounds you come from, this church believes that you need to be in the Word. If all you're getting is from me, then you're on a spiritual diet that's going to kill you in the long run. Father, you see our hands. There are so many things that I make priorities within my life, oh God. But there's nothing more important then with fear and trembling I would work out my salvation by spending time in your word and letting your spirit saturate my soul, oh God. There are avenues that I cannot walk anymore because I've been warned by your direction to go another direction. There are people here today that need the power of God to release them from their past, oh God. It comes through discipline in your word and prayer. There are those that are here today with their hands raised that are tired of having been a child of God for a bunch of years but still acting like children because they've not been able to grow in your word. Lead us, I pray, in that path. Lord, let us look at our life and understand that the word of God is affecting change within us. And let it start with me, O oh God. Reveal in me how the world has slipped in in places where I need to be more, more uh, attentive. And then I ask that with the help of the Holy Spirit, since I can't do this on my own, with the help of the Holy Spirit, lead me to holiness. Because your word reveals, but your spirit enables. 
word reveals and your spirit enables and growth transpires. Lord Jesus, do that within us, I pray. And I ask this in Jesus' name.